I'm going to start, Louis. Is that all good? Radio, we've got the green light from Louis. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerr. I'd like to welcome you to the Black Ink Podcast. This is episode number 48, and I'm recording this for the fourth time, but we'll, we'll get into that later. I'm going to touch, in some stuff, touch on some stuff that's happened since the last podcast, which I uploaded on Friday morning, and it is now, for me, it's currently Tuesday morning. So as you know, I record these a day before. Um, you're getting this on Wednesday, the 13th of October. Praise the 13th of every month because my fucking data resets on my phone. And even though I have 140 gig, it still isn't enough because your boy's always uploading on YouTube. I'm always personal hotspotting my fucking laptop. I'm on fucking Instagram literally like 20 hours a day. I'm always watching videos on YouTube. We connect it to our TV. This is the problem when you don't have fucking internet at home is you rely completely wholly and solely on your phone as a modem. And we're doing this in the caravan, which seemed to be fine, but now we're doing it in a house. It's kind of like, for some reason, you feel like you're using more internet because you have more space. And I mean, that's of course not at all accurate, but you have to kind of fucking, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like even Riz is running out of uh, data and we both have over a hundred gig a month to use, you know? So it's either, either a lot of Netflix or a lot of porn. I don't, I don't know what's going on, you know, but <clears throat> stick with me. So Friday, I bought a fucking Honda Grom. A 2000, I thought it was a 2020 Honda Grom. As it turns out, the year of manufacture was 2018. It was purchased in early 2020, but regardless, it had 97 kilometers on it. 97 kilometers on it, under 100 kilometers. So this thing was practically new. It was so new that the previous owner didn't even know that there was an instruction manual and a toolkit under the seat. Literally hadn't been touched since the bike had been bought. I mean, it still had those little fucking whiskers that you get on the tires when you put on a brand new tire. You know what I mean? It was fucking bizarre. So pretty much, obviously, I went off on fucking Bunbury City Motorcycles the other day, the Bunbury Honda shop. Um, Not sure if I should have done it, but I fucking did. Okay. I didn't name who they were in the podcast. I said it was Bunbury Honda, but it wasn't. Bunbury Honda is actually a car shop or a car dealer. And I think they're not even Honda anymore. They sell all those fucking shitty, um, <clears throat> you know, all those like no brand cars that you see floating around that will probably be big brands in like 15, 20 years time, you know, like Haval and I, I know they don't actually sell these, like they don't, they're not the great wall dealer, but they do sell fucking what they sell doesn't matter. I'd go off on those cunts as well. They fucked me over years ago on an RX eight, like literally bought it off them for say it was like 20 grand, whatever it was. I don't know how much it was, but I bought an RX, RX eight of them for 20 grand. I had so many problems that I sold it back to them. Like I had so many problems. I was taking it back, taking it back, taking it back. And because they're a rotary, they're a kind of a car. I kept on taking it back. And like, they eventually ended up saying like, look, we're not going to be able to fix this car. And I think you get like 18 days or something with these 18 days warranty with these particular cars. And like, it was getting close to 18th day. And I'm like, bro, like if this car keeps doing this, I'm just going to be left with a car that keeps doing this. Like I bought a car a few that I thought was running and functional and mechanically okay. And it's not. You keep on having to fix it. We don't have any rotary specialists in Bunbury. And now you're just kind of like, well, fucking sorry, bruh. And they're like, oh, it's all good. How about you trade it? So I traded it back. And long story short, obviously, it's one of those deals where you go like, oh, why didn't you just not do it at the time? It's one of those things where like, obviously, I I was kind of forced into doing it. And this is including having their finance as well. So they had all the chips on their side of the table. And they're like, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll trade it. We'll look after you. We'll do a hell good deal. They sold me a car that was worth $5,000 less and gave me $5,000 less than what they fucking offered, like than, than what I paid for the car. So they fucked me over in 10 grand for 10 grand, literally in like fucking two weeks. It was insane. And this is after like my parents had spent, you know, probably just shy of like half a million dollars on cars with them in the previous like five, six, seven years before that. So it's like 
just cunts. You know what I mean? And it's like, I actually don't care if the owner themselves is watching this because you did it. You allowed it to happen. You literally know who we are, probably still by face and by name, and you allowed that to happen. And just like the other fucking Bunbury City motorcycles that I was talking about, your whole sole job, your one reason for fucking existence in the enterprise business world is to sell vehicles. And sure, you did it, but there is longevity in selling vehicles, and people like me and the family that I come from and a lot of my friends... We all like buying and selling vehicles really fucking regularly, you know? So you never do anyone over on that one deal because that turns that warm customer into a gone customer, you know? But I don't want to get into business specifics. We're going to talk about business specifics later on because I went to a little bit of a... I'll explain that a bit later on. So I went bad on fucking Bunbury City Motorcycle, but the whole reason that I was in there, right? So we're going back a couple conversations that I've already got myself into. I'm five minutes deep and I've already gotten into a couple conversations. Can you believe this? So I went in there and I was asking about, I didn't mention this in the podcast, but I was asking about a particular model of motorbike, which was the Honda Grom. You can buy them brand new for 4,650 right away in your name. Obviously, they're a 125cc, completely road registrable vehicle, and they're fucking awesome. They're a tiny little, imagine like a superbike, kind of, it's 80% of a superbike, and then it's also miniaturized. So I look like fucking the BFG riding this, uh, riding this fucking 125cc motorbike, but at the same time, it's the perfect, the reason why I've got this motorbike is for a very specific reason. There's only two reasons that you would buy this motorbike, okay? The first reason is you're a female and you're learning how to ride motorbikes. It's all good. It's not a sexist remark. Females are physically smaller than males. And if you're kind of, you know, in the... uh, I think you get off your moped these days, 17, 18. If you're like 18 to 25-year-old female, perfect bike for you. Enough power to get yourself out of situations. Enough power to have fun on it. It's smaller than your average 250. It's got wheels that are about this big instead of having full-size, you know, wheels that you find on a 250 or open-class motorbike. The second reason you would buy this motorbike is to learn how to stunt, right? Because these bikes, while it's actually harder to do wheelies and stoppies and all the rest on bikes that have smaller wheels, because you have a smaller footprint of rubber touching the ground, it's actually easier to maneuver yourself around a smaller frame and a smaller bike to begin with and get your balance point right and get your uh, your rev range right and your gearing and all that right. Consequently, if you can learn everything on a 125 on these Groms, they're so much easily, uh, it's so much easier to translate those abilities and skills onto bigger bikes. So a lot of people get Groms, learn how to do wheelies and combos and all the rest. A lot of people actually keep their Groms because they're so much fun. You know, you can still get up to 100 Ks an hour. You can get a little bit more performance and power out of them. They're, they're fucking cool looking bikes. And also like there's not massive consequences in dropping a three and a half thousand or four thousand or four and a half thousand dollar bike as compared to dropping your Harley or compared to dropping a, a new CBR or, or a new Yamaha or something. So I ended up buying this Honda Grom off this bloke down in Bustleton. He had $4,000 on this bike that was meant to be a 2020 with 90 Ks on it. It actually, so the ad read, it was a 2020 Honda Grom with 300 Ks on it. And as it turns out, it was a 2018 Honda Grom with 97 Ks on it. So it didn't have 300 Ks on it, but 300 is still fuck all, but it was two years older than what I was anticipating. But the point of the whole fucking story is you can buy a 2018 Grom with 30,000 Ks on it and still pay $3,800. You know what I mean? So, so this was a fucking, hey, chill, bro. So it's one of those like, um, it's a good fucking deal. I wasn't going to get butt hurt about the 2018 thing. I was already there for the deal. And look, to be very fucking honest, I'm very confident I can get four grand for my 450. And I just, 
I want to sell my... I'm talking about my WR450. If you didn't watch the episode, it's the one where I fucking snap this off the rear hub on the rear wheel. Um, I think dirt bike riding for me is just out of my reach. It's one of those things where like if I got on my dirt bike and I was riding it every day and I was having fun every day, I had a crew around me of dirt bikes. I have no doubt that I'll build my skill level. But the simple fact is like I live in basically suburbia now where the bike is housed is like essentially, you know, it's it's probably 50% suburbia instead of them being, you know, like reasonable blocks, they're acre blocks and five acre blocks and all the rest. But still, you shouldn't be riding your motorbike and it's, you shouldn't be riding your motorbike around on in, in these sort of areas. And I just, like if we had a farm and I was fucking around, it was one of those things where you just put your boots and helmet on the bikes right there, you kick it over and you fuck off. I would probably keep it. But when I considered um, the Grom versus the WR, uh, for me, it's such an easy decision because the Grom can literally like come inside the house here if it has to. Um, if I were to keep my WR here, I'd always be concerned about it getting stolen because there's no key to it. There's no immobilizer. You just kick it and go. Um, and also the Grom is like, I can just start it up and go to the shops on it. You know, I can just go to the post office on it. I can go deliver t-shirts on it. It's no big deal. So for me, it's like, fuck yeah. If I can swap one for the other, that'd be great. I end up spending about 500 bucks getting that rear wheel fixed. So you know, all said and done, it owes me four grand. I paid close to that and then also, you know, bought all the gear for it and all, as you do when you buy a dirt bike, you do all the right things. So I'm just looking to recoup my money on that. And as far as like a fucking powerful, wicked, old, hard, like old school fucking hard riding bike, that 450 is sick. And being a WR, it's never going to die, you know? So I'm going to advertise that today. We're going to see how we go. I've got this beautiful new Honda Grom with a hundred and something kilometers on it because of course I've ridden it all through Dale up and went and got fuel and... As I said, I look like an absolute fucking monster on this bike, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care because I fucking have a hobby that I really like doing and I'm so excited about the, the prospect of having a Grom summer, the, the fucking, you know, I've spent the past 12 months, anyone who knows me like on a personal level knows that I love riding push bikes. I love being on two wheels and obviously like if you follow Black Ink and you're following the story, you know I love being on my Harley. Um... I've been trying to learn how to do wheelies on my push bike now for the past at least 12 months. The only time that I've really slowed down is when the weather doesn't allow me and when I've been fucking sick or whether, you know, when I have my hurt knee or whatever it was. And man, I mean, I learned how to do wheelies on a push bike that I found on the side of the road that is like two sizes too small for me. So I'm excited to have this bike that isn't built to do wheelies, but definitely is very possible to learn wheelies on and obviously execute the skill. And on top of that, I've got friends who are also keen to get groms and come out and have fun. You know what I mean? Like have a little, and like, this is, it's kind of, look, man, this touches on a bigger topic because essentially, I mean, what I'm trying to do at the moment, um, I wouldn't say what I'm trying to do, but what I'm trying to like help establish is this kind of like bike life community, you know, cause I feel like there are people out there that have motorbikes they love being involved with things. They love engaging. They love riding their motorbikes and love riding their mo motorbikes with people. But there's nowhere to really do it. I feel like in the age of Facebook and all the rest, like all the old blokes, they're all over it because they're all over Facebook. They're all over Facebook events. And they're the generation that say that they're going to do something and they actually fucking do it, right? So instead of being upset that my generation is completely fucked in the head and they can't actually commit to any sort of activity or exercise, what I would rather do is set up something that happens every week or every fortnight and then they can just come and go as they please. You know, you know, every Monday night at six o'clock during summer, we leave this servo. We go from here, we go to here, we do some burnouts and wheelies. We go to here, we have some fun there. We go to this person's place, whatever it might be. You can come join if you want, you know? And if you don't want to join or if you can't make it or whatever, 
Go away. You know what I mean? But like none of this shit where you're trying to organize things with your mates and you get 10 of you that say yes and on the day you have four of them that show up. Okay? So this isn't an attack at any of my friends or any of my followers or any of the people that come or anything. It's a fucking like accepted reality of 2021 is that people just can't commit to doing things. You know? They can't say, oh, yep, in two weeks time, you're doing that and I'm going to do that with you and that's penciled in the diary now. And nothing, if anything else comes up on that day, it's either put above or below. It's not put on top of or scratch it out and, and replace it. It's based around doing it like my generation can't do that. I'm not angry at them. All I'm doing is providing or trying to establish this sort of like thing that we can all commit ourselves to and like be a part of and go like, right, every Monday we have the fucking rollout of Jalor Up Servo. It is what it is. So everyone who wants to come can come. You know, and also if you are a fucking dead committed follower and you know, you've been following the story, you know that I fucking slacked off with the black ink group rides. Literally the weather has not allowed us to even think about riding our fucking motorbike. So once this weather clears up again, I'm probably going to create a group and uh, create an event in the next couple of days and start pumping them back on because now that we've got, I've got the Grom and the Harley, I'm super excited just to, I mean, even if we would fucking ride around Bunbury on, on smaller bikes, I would have so much fun doing that. So I'm looking forward to my other friends getting their groms. I'm looking forward to summer. I'm so excited now I've got this new motorbike. Obviously having a new motorbike is exciting in itself, but it's just really weird to be almost 29, weighing 90 kilos and excited that I just bought a 125cc motorbike. So it's funny though, you know, to buy a grom right now, which is 125cc road registered, you know, running in good condition, all the rest, you can buy, there's not a heap of them, but you know, like in ratio to like, every other motorbike there's a heap of them you know like as i said you only get it for one or two reasons to stunt on and learn how to ride so for three thousand three thousand five hundred sort of thing you can get yourself a grom right now that's in pretty good condition and you can like go start riding straight away you cannot get a 110 so to get an unregistered kickstart four speed 110 in a honda kawasaki yamaha whatever you want basically impossible to buy them new I mean, it is possible, but it's like you got to be there on the day sort of thing. And then following that, I mean, to buy a secondhand one that hasn't had its fucking ring thrashed out is like, I mean, even when you buy it and then the person says, no, nah, no, nah, we only rode this to church on Sundays. You're like, cunt, it's a 110. It literally doesn't matter if a child rode, rode this, it would still be thrashed out because it's a 110. And honestly, it doesn't really matter with those bikes because they are made to be thrashed. But at the same time, I don't understand how you can get something that you can literally register and ride to the shops. You know, and like there's nothing stopping you from stripping the shit off, just making it a bare frame with knobbly tires if you're that keen to have a motocross looking bike and you can do stunts and shit on it. So yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting when the demographic of bloke my age buying a 110 is to fuck around on it out the back and have fun. But then you find out that most people are in the same position as me and they have these dirt bikes sitting in their garage that get ridden once a month or once every three weeks because they don't have anywhere to ride it. And you're like, well, so basically a Grom is registered and you can ride it anywhere where the road is black, you know? Wild, hey. But let's put a fucking pin in that. On Sunday, we actually did go for a group ride. So this wasn't a black ink group ride as much as I would love to call it a black ink group group ride because it had all the essential ingredients of one. Uh, it was organized by one of the fellas. I think Seb was the one who organized it. We had a CBR. We had a Yamaha. We had a fucking two soft tail slims. We went out. We fucking had a heap of fun. We had a couple of beers. We had a bite to eat for lunch on Sunday. It was fucking brilliant. It was. I think we went from ten in the morning to about three in the afternoon, and we hit all stops: wheelies, burnouts, fucking uh, speeding, fine, getting pulled over by the police, fucking four, you know, three rear tires. It was fucking crazy, right? Now, 
I know what you're thinking. I know what you want to know about because you see burnouts, you see wheelies all the time. You see these cool bikes. What happened when the cops pulled us over? Right, here it is. We're coming into Donnybrook and obviously we're doing triple the speed limit because, and obviously before I go any fucking further, this podcast is 100% for entertainment purposes. All of these stories are made up for the purpose of entertaining you, the viewer. So don't take anything serious and for legal reasons, none of this actually happened, but we're coming into Donnybrook doing whatever speed we were doing. And if you're a local to the area, you know, coming, no, I think we had left Donnybrook and we're coming into Boyna. That's right. So you leave Donnybrook and it goes 80, 100, 110. You're doing 110 through all the hills. As you're coming into Boyne up, it comes to a flat road, goes to 80 kilometers per hour, then 60, then 40. So we had gone past the 80 kilometer per hour zone, right? So we'd gone into the 80 kilometer per hour zone. And I see with my fucking eagle eyes up ahead is a fully marked highway pursuit car. You know, the fucking Kia Stingers that they put out and they got the cool colors and shit all over them. And um, so I fucking hit the brakes real hard. But I, at this point, I knew exactly where I saw them because for whatever reason, the three boys were ahead of me and I had chilled right out. Not that I was even doing the speed limit. Like, I think I was still doing fucking probably 120 or something. So, you know, these guys are fucking moving, right? So I, I remember I actually only used my front brake. So I've grabbed on the front brake, pulled myself right back. And then as soon as I've done that, even though the cop car was so far ahead that I was definitely out of their range, I think then... There wasn't a car in, in between us, I don't think, because I could see the boys. I think they were right in the range. As it happened, the lights go on. So I slow right down. The cops go behind me, do a U-turn, and then I pull over on the side of the road, right? You'll find out why in a second. So I pull over on the side of the road. The cops go straight past me. And they've gone up and turned down the Boyne up to Capel Road. If you're familiar with it, you know what I'm talking about, the one just outside of Boyne up that heads into the back of Capel. So they fucking pull into there and they pull over just on the side of the road. All three boys are pulled up. Now, not throwing anyone under the bus, but these boys are animals. I'm surprised anyone pulled up, right? I am genuinely surprised anyone pulled up. But I think because of the whole nature of the situation and also it's just one of those like you're heading down a road where there's not really many options you can go to. There's not really, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not condoning fucking running from the police. But what I'm saying is in that situation, if you were to run from the police, it's not optimal fucking, it's not an optimal situation for us. So... I've all pulled over and I've gone around the corner. And as I've gone around the corner, the cops give me the thumbs up, kind of, I'm guessing, signifying like, hey man, you're all good, didn't do anything wrong, catch you later. So I pull up just up yonder because for two of these gentlemen, given that I've held my open class motorcycle license for like 10 years now, I'm their trainer rider. Because as it turns out, uh, I think all three of the boys are riding on, they're riding out of class, either on their P's or on their L's, whatever it might be. Um, two of the bikes don't have fucking brake lights or indicators on the back of them. We've all got shredded tires b- besides the Yamaha. The fucking CBR is missing most of its fairings. It's like, just like, man, fuck, you know? And like, I don't think my bike is actually too loud, but I do think that homeboy with the other soft tail slim, his was a little bit too loud. Now, we get pulled up and by the fucking good graces of the Lord himself, we get two good police officers. I know what you're thinking, Jake, they don't exist. Well, I'm here to tell you that they fucking do, okay? They might have got picked on in school, and they might only do it for the gun and the badge, and they might do it just so they feel some sort of power in their life, but damn it, they were good people, okay? They were good fucking people, and you can't take that away from them. They issued one fine, one fine. No brake lights, no indicators, shredded tires, pipes too loud, da-da-da-da-da, everything, out of class. One fine. And you're probably thinking like, Jake... What's the one fine? Well, it was 44 kilometers over the limit, $1,200 and seven demerit points. So 
They issued one fine. You take the good with the fucking bad. You know what I mean? They issued one fine. They said, look, we're only going to prosecute one of you because it's the one that was at the front who was actually speeding. You know, we have fucking cold, hard evidence that they did the wrong thing. And therefore, we have to prosecute them. You know, we've got the speed come up on our dash. We've got to do it. And man, these boys both admitted that they had motorbikes themselves, that both of them rode into work that day. You know, they were saying, look, man, we can't give you fucking tickets for your pipes being too loud. Otherwise, we've got to go home and take the loud pipes off our bikes. So these boys fucking got it. You know what I mean? So much so that I kind of feel bad for saying they got picked on in school. You know? <laughs> so interesting. We all rode away from there. I mean, obviously fucking one of us rode away from there with a fucking, you know, wallet was a little bit lighter consequently, but realistically, I mean, fuck man, I reckon someone could have almost been put behind bars for what we were doing that day. So I appreciate the fuck out of having that experience. Um, it definitely makes me see the police in a completely different light. And I mean, not that I have any fucking given reason to see them in a negative light, but I just, I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, coming from a straight white male that's fucking good looking, 28 years old and two, uh, 6.4 high, like I really don't have any position to say that the tr police treat me unfairly. You know, obviously I get probably the best treatment from the police you can imagine besides being a fucking 20 something year old blonde with big tits and a low cut top and a fucking race car, you know, I'm going to get the best treatment possible. But with that said, I think the grueling overwhelming job itself of being a police officer and realizing that every interaction they have is negative in some sort of way. Like the shit that they see, they've seen people dot dead on the side of the road because of their motorbikes. They've seen them dead because they had bald tires or because they were doing 44 Ks over the limit and something came out in front of them. So I understand that the position they come from is like, we're doing this really out of love. We're trying to keep humans alive. You know what I mean? But there's just so many other situations where I've definitely seen police treating not me, but people like me unfairly. So it's, and also, man, we're fucking ride Harleys, wear gold chains and have tattoos on our face. We're just the sort of people to dislike cops just because for the fucking hell of it. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I had an old cops with bastards tattoo before it was fucking fashionable. A long time before it was fashionable. You know what I mean? So I think just following Sunday, it's so refreshing to have that where we had a fucking fun day out. Obviously, we got up to some mischief. And even though we got pulled over, we were spoken to like adults, we were spoken to like men, and we were spoken to from men, you know what I mean? Who appreciate that we're out having a good time, that they're no different to us. The thing that separates us and them in that situation is the fact that they pulled up in a car with lights on it and we pulled up on a bike. That's it, you know? So I guess the takeaway from that is like, I'll hear him out. You know what I mean? And in a situation in the future where you might think like, you see those lights come on, you go, do I fucking peg it and, and make their day difficult? Or do I pull over and fucking see how this is going to turn out? I guess I'm more likely to pull over and see how it's going to turn out. And man, completely, completely understand that like, I say this because like, I don't know. It's probably part of a bigger picture. I feel like I'm learning. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm growing up a little bit. And there was definitely a part of me back in the day where it's like, you know, we had had a conversation earlier that day. Well, what happens if we get caught doing something crazy? What's the plan? What are we going to do? And I mean, I think following that situation, it kind of changed our minds a little bit, changed our perspective on the fucking, I wouldn't say evil that we're dealing with, but we're, the, the opposition that we're dealing with, you know? So super interesting. Super interesting. Now, let's get to this fucking podcast that I recorded yesterday, right? It's fucking, ugh, I can't believe what I did. I fucked up the other day. I, I said some bad things about a business and I decided to post it because I decided with myself that even if I bought a Grom, right? And hang on, hang on. Hang, well, rewind. I'm going to take you back to that thing. 
they could have sold me a new Grom. That Bunbury City Motorcycle, they could have sold me a new Grom because I paid 3000 500 for mine. He had four grand on the ad. He said, I know what I got. I want three and a half grand. You come with three and a half grand, you get this bike, right? Put whatever you want on the transfer paper, good as gold. So I fucking. Interesting. Yeah, for the sake of uh, the podcast and legalities, everything I say here is for entertainment purposes. <laughs> oh, shit. So I paid three and a half grand for this motorbike, right? I end up fucking, <clears throat> I end up, uh, before I got the motorbike, the reason I went into Bunbury City Motorcycles is to see a Grom in person, just without any modifications, brand new, secondhand, whatever. I just wanted to see one, sit in one, get a feel for it. So I was going to this bloke's place. Obviously he lives in Bustleton. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a stretch. It's out of the way. I wanted to have that experience before I see his. Because of course, seeing a bike for the first time that's for sale and you know you're there to buy it, there's kind of some anticipation. You're amped up a little bit. You tend to forget to see things or you don't really know what you're looking for. So that's why I was in there. And my bigger point about what I was making on that podcast is they could have sold me a new one. The new ones are 4,650 right away, which means you're a Honda shop. You have access to them and you have access to finance. And you're going to tell someone to go online to find out some shit? Dickhead. Get a deposit and say, look, we'll have one for you to have a look at. It'll be fucking yours and it'll be here in 10 days. How about that? How about we give you 1% fine? How about we do whatever we have to do to make that sale? You know what I mean? And the reason they do that, again, stick with me, is because they are in retail. They're in retail. They sell things. They get money from selling things and keeping the bid on top that... Whatever. So I end up recording this podcast yesterday. Now, a little recap on my day yesterday. I wake up super early. I do all my posting. I do my engaging, right? I go to work on the coffee van between 6 and 12. I get rained out at 11 o'clock. Um, as it turns out, I had a fucking lady pull up. The table in between the coffee van and the customer, usually where the customer stands, she's decided to pull up to it because it's fucking raining and windy and all the rest. And I was just like, aha, you know, like p- pulling up in this situation, even though it seems you know, really advantageous to you because you get to like yell at me through your window and you get to wind up your window when it starts raining. I find it extremely disrespectful as the merchant because I'm out here in the elements all day and all you have to do is be exposed to the elements for literally like 45 seconds to two minutes and then you're back in your car and also the people behind you don't assume that it's a drive-through for them as well because they just follow the leader. Right, right. So I said like, oh, you know, one person does drive-through and everyone thinks it's drive-through and she's like, yeah, ha, 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 and then winds up the window. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll just make you coffee like a fucking bitch boy that I am. So, man, can you imagine if someone got offended from me saying bitch boy? Can you imagine someone being like, I identify as a bitch boy and I don't like it when this cisgendered white male identifies as such. That'd be the, that's actually where we're going. You know what I mean? It's more about division and community. It's got nothing to do with how people actually feel. It's got to do with us and them black and white. So suck my... Anyway... I fucking, she winds up the window and I'm like, all good. This massive gust of wind comes by and fucking rips the table down the side of her car, throws all the muffins and the biscuits all over the ground. The table's dirty. It's fucking, it is what it is. The wind's so crazy that it's not even, it's not just blowing the shit at the table. It's like scooping into the back of the van and pulling shit out of it and throwing it onto the ground. So I'm like, fuck, you know, she ends up just kind of getting her coffee and putting her window up and driving off, you know, like obviously the weather's fucking crazy. So she's not really going to help at all. So I got all fucking butthurt and did like a 45 minute rant about how it shouldn't be a drive through and all the rest. And the thing that fucking hurts me the most is even when I was done, I was like, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what my intention was. It looks like I was attacking the customer 
And it looks like I was attacking the business that gave me the opportunity to work for them and create an income for myself, regardless of how much it is per hour, regardless of like how valuable my time is or whether or not the fact is they offer me a job. I accepted the job. There are certain conditions to the job that when there is weather and all the rest, it's part of the job title to manage that situation. And essentially I didn't. And I got angry about it. And I tried to make excuses as to like, I'm someone who likes to establish these processes. I'm like, I'm someone who likes to offer the best possible experience I can. And because of someone not really adhering to this one process that I thought was the case in my mind, that we had this completely shitty result. The reality was that person was doing exactly what they thought was the right thing. My job is to manage that thing, that situation, and to make it the best possible experience for that customer. And basically like in the moment I did exactly that, you know, I made a light joke about it, not being a drive through all the rest. I fucking did what I, you know, I, I got the coffee out and like, I don't think it did any panel damage or paint damage to a car, which is fucking a weight off my shoulders. I'm obviously going to find out if it did. That's something that you end up finding out sooner rather than later. But where I went wrong was coming home and thinking that it was okay to have a rant, you know, taking whatever angle you want where it fucking strokes my ego and not theirs and having a, a stance that says that they did the wrong thing. And I didn't, it didn't feel good. You know what I mean? It's not one of those things. It's one, there's probably like four or five great one minute grabs in there that I could use for promotion or the rest. But the reality is I don't want to. Like, it's not sexy. It's not a nice podcast. It's not something that I would appreciate my mum listening to. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, it's just a, a dirty side of me that I'm not happy to express on the internet. And like, it's very easy as the consumer of this um, media, of this, you know, audio or visual, whatever you're taking in as the audience to go like, man, that's what we love. You do what you do. Go on your answer. Rah, rah, rah. I have time and respect for the lady who owns that coffee van and for the coffee van itself. And as I said, for the opportunity, and I just couldn't bring myself to post it. I mean, I was awake at all fucking hours of the morning this morning to, I noticed that I got bumped off the algorithm for some reason on Instagram. So I'm just giving it a two day breather where I'm not going to post anything. I'm just going to kind of keep engaging, keep doing my thing, share stories, da, da, da. But, um, I thought right at the last minute, like I got my laptop out and everything ready to start uploading this podcast. And I thought I'm not going to do this. And it's a hard decision to make because I didn't record one on Sunday um, because I was riding all day. And when I came home, I literally fell asleep on the couch and then had dinner and went to sleep. It was a fucking awesome dinner. Riz did that, you know, where you cook broccoli and then you put it in like a casserole dish and you put like white sauce and cheese and oh my God, can't, it was so good. But, um, didn't record one on Sunday night and I didn't have one backed up from Friday or from Saturday. So Monday there was no podcast. And then yesterday, or yesterday for you, which is today for me, I didn't post because I was just like, you know what? It just doesn't sit right. I wouldn't feel good uploading this because like all I can think of is like, well, what if she watches it? Not the person in the car, the person who owns a coffee van. I would hate for her to watch it and think like, why would you say this? You know, like why... Why would you do this to my business? Like if, if someone did that about my, if I employed someone and they went home and had their own, you know, uh, what I do, whether, whether they've got a podcast, or they have some sort of voice, whether it be in radio or television or whatever, and they went off on a particular aspect of my business that wasn't necessarily to do with me, but it was to do with my customers. I would feel like that's not fair for me or my customers or my business. So I fucking buttoned off and I was like, you know what? It is what it is. And to, just to, to like, just to give you more transparency on the situation, I went back to, obviously, like I, when I'm done, I deliver the van back to where she lives. And um, she came straight out, even though I was home an hour early. And she's like, get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, you've done your bit. Off you go. Rah, rah, rah. 
And I was like, hey, just so you know, like I've had this thing and in all honesty, just give me a break. Cause at the moment I'm fucking, I do one day a week. I said, I'm a bit antsed up. I'm a bit hot under the collar. So give me two weeks break. Let the weather fucking clear out. Because the thing is like, this is such a beautiful job, right? It doesn't pay heaps, but it's a beautiful job because you're out in the fresh air. You're talking to people who are happy to see you because they're fucking drug addicts addicted to caffeine and you're the one who's selling it to them every morning, you know? And you can do it out in the fresh air. You can brag about giving them a coffee and everyone's drinking their coffee and they're happy and they're fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's a cool, it's a cool experience. So I think I don't want to be dampened I don't want my spirit to be dampened literally from this shitty weather. I just want to fucking enjoy the job. You know what I mean? Because I've just had a couple back to back to back things where like it's been the weather or the wind or being cold or having my feet wet or whatever it might be that have just kind of like, I'm not getting the fun out of the job that I thought I would get. And especially considering I used to do this shit day in, day out. And I've already had my feet wet. I've already had the fucking sideways wind, uh, sideways rain. I've already had all this shit fly down the road and all... Like when I sold the van, I thought that was it. So by going back to it and for a little amount per hour, I kind of don't want to be hurt by it. I just want to have fun and explain to her what happened. And she's just like, Hey man, it's all good. It's all good. This is part of the job. Go home, enjoy the rest of your day. You know, I'll call you when I need you. Take it if you want it. Don't take it if you don't want it. So Belinda, if you're listening to this, thank you for being such a, a brilliant woman. Thank you for being such an understanding person. And thank you for fucking... I always walk away from every job that I do feeling like I didn't do good enough and you left me feeling good enough, you know, even though I might have done something that isn't uh, 100% the thing that maybe you would have done or you would have liked me how to have handled it, you know, so just a fucking, I don't know, I don't know, there's something to that that almost makes me want to cry because it's so nice when humans are just good humans, you know, and to top it all off, I went back to sleep this morning after I did all my posting. So I woke up at like 3 or 3.30 and I went back to sleep at 7. And um, was it 7? No, I think I went back to sleep at 5 actually because that's when Riz goes to F45. So I went back to sleep at 5 and woke up at 7. And when I woke up at 7, I checked Facebook, you know, because I'm fucking addicted. And there it was, the first hole was yesterday's post by the big coffee van that I work on. And it said like something about the weather, rah, rah, rah. said, pull up and drive through and grab a coffee. It said in the fucking ad to drive through. Dude, can you imagine how much of a cunt I would feel like if I had a posted that at five o'clock and then at seven o'clock read that the ad for yesterday morning when all of this shit happened literally says drive through and my whole rant was about people who drive through when they shouldn't. Fuck, man. Fuck. <laughs> so I listened to my intuition. And even though I didn't post for two mornings in the row, in a row, I still feel like I made the right decision. Okay. So man, I hope that story says a little bit more about me than what actually happened. Because I feel like, as I said about the police thing, I mean, the thing that I find at the moment is that I'm so good at taking on this information and learning and accepting things. And even if I'm wrong, you know, boxing my ego for a second and just figuring out what the fuck is the is the right answer and just sticking to the logical right answer you know so super interesting but done and dusted now and hopefully you will see me on the coffee van again soon i must admit i must admit things are looking so crazy with black ink at the moment that i'm i'm now at the point that the night before i do do this work for belinda on the coffee van i always find that i'm thinking like, is this worth it considering how much work I've got to do? Like at the moment, 
It's fucking nine o'clock or something in the morning on Tuesday. Obviously, because I worked yesterday and I had so many things kind of back to back to back to back to back. And then I went to a seminar last night as well. We'll get to that. I found that I was like, I know Monday's going to be fucked. So I was like, is it really worth losing the best part of my morning or all of my morning to go and make this little bit of money rather than just worried about being worried about my own concern? Because I mean, as I've talked about in most of my podcasts, not most of, a lot of my podcasts, the thing that I'm learning at the moment is the more like, I have no problem doing the work. I have no problem applying myself, um, making lists, executing them, when getting to the end of them, not being happy that everything's done, continuing to push forward. Like I'm really good at keeping myself in check. And as far as like trying to run a business by yourself and you know making sure that you have your finger in every pie, but not too many pies and you're still executing everything with as much kind of attention and energy and detail as it needs, I feel like I have all of that in the bag. Um, and the thing that I'm learning from doing all of that is when you have a job, when you are employed for somebody else's concern, your energy and attention is given to that regardless if you're checked in or not. The fact is you have to be there and you have to problem solve those things and you have to take them as seriously as you take your things. Otherwise, you're not a good employee, right? And also like this might just be a personal thing, but I have a certain standard that I try and adhere to no matter what I'm doing, whether it's taking a shit, making a coffee, printing a shirt. I try and do everything to an excellent, excellent standard. And I find that as soon as I give myself to someone else's business, I'm not just giving myself to that business, but I'm pulling away a certain percentage on top of that from my business as well. So I give myself 100% to that business and I feel like I'm pulling 120% away from my business because now we've got the anxiety that I've got leading up to that day. And I mean, yesterday I left the job feeling stressed so much so that I recorded a shitty podcast that I couldn't post because I was in the wrong frame of mind or the rest, you know, and obviously that's a bad day. So I'm, I'm using it as a, as a bizarre example, but you can see what I mean. I give myself 120%. I might lose 150% off the back end of my business, you know? So look, it's just... It's something that I consider and I'll definitely be kind of experimenting in these couple of weeks off with like, right, how much did we actually make up not having that day off where we're doing something else for someone else? How much did we gain financially? How much did we gain as far as movement with Black Ink and, and the progress of pushing it forward and making a fucking a calculated kind of evaluation of how we want to move forward in the future? And like the thing that I keep going back to, and I even did a live, um, a quick little live video on my way to work yesterday saying like, not only um, do I get the money out of this, but I get that communication flex. You know what I mean? I get that ability to have those, oh, hey, Lily, to have those one-on-ones that I have to think on my feet. I have to come up with these responses and answers and I have to be there and I have to engage with someone face-to-face, which is if it's something you don't do regularly, you'll find that that skill of being able to in the moment respond to someone and adhere to all the little facial things that they're doing and if they're happy or if they're neutral or if they're kind of sad and how to deal with that and how to negotiate it into how you want the conversation to go. I love that aspect of it. I love the actual art and skill of making coffee. I think it's such a like involved kind of um, process of steps that I love getting really kind of intricate with all of the steps. And as you know, if you've seen me make coffee before, I'd put on a real performance with my arms, flicking things around and all the rest. So like, I really do get a lot from that. But as I said, it is time to make a bit of an evaluation and see if it is still actually profitable in all areas, not just financially to move forward. So God damn, listen to me talk, huh? I got this shit under wraps these days. What? I only took 48 episodes. Anyway. Let's talk about this fucking, this seminar that I went to last night. I got to start when I first, I'm going to start this off when I first. Oh man, 
That's some good town water. Oh. It's got so much fluoride in it, you can barely taste the water, you know? So, I first found out about this. They are the Entrepreneurial Business School, I think is what they call themselves. Entrepreneurial Business... Hmm... They're called something. I think it's like, yeah, EBS sounds right. So the Entrepreneurial Business School, which essentially from what I can gather is some sort of business coaching. Um, I'm not entirely sure, right? So I'm on Facebook. They have this, uh, I'm on, I think it might've been Facebook and Instagram. I saw their ad and pretty much it said like, look, there's a free 90 minute fucking seminar that you can go to. All you have to do is register your name and all that. And as someone who's in business, it's kind of like, why wouldn't I? You know, it's 90 minutes, it's for free. It's about business. The word entrepreneur is in there, so it's a little bit attractive to me. Um, the thing that raises alarm bells, being in business and being an entrepreneur is nothing is for free. Nothing. And while it might be free and while you might go there and get some information, there's going to be a sales pitch at the end. And even if, even if it is disguised so fucking brilliantly, trust me, somewhere along the way, you'll pay for this. Okay? So... Even with that in mind, I was like, sure, sign me up. Because one thing that I'm finding is that when I used to have the coffee van, I knew everyone in this town. If if I didn't know you, you knew someone who knew me, right? It was just something that my network was so good, so big because even if I didn't make coffee for you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at your business, you've probably seen me at an event. You've seen me around. You've seen the coffee van. You've heard of someone talking about the matte black coffee van that's named after something that has nothing to do with coffee, operated by some tall young kid with long hair and tattoos all over him. You would have heard of it. But now we're six years or well, we're four, five years in April down the track after selling it. And I'm back to just knowing the fucking hundred people that I hang out with all the time. You know what I mean? And obviously since black ink has kind of popped off again, since we've I don't know if we've doubled or tripled the amount of followers we have in the past eight months. It's not important. You know, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that my network of people is kind of reduced. And I thought, well, what better than to go to something where other small businesses and business-minded people and entrepreneurs are going to be at and hopefully expand my network a little bit. Well, the thought of doing that was very nice. I didn't talk to anyone while I was there because it was a very unique, uh, very kind of like honed in experience for the audience, which was obviously me. So I sign up for this thing. I write it in my diary, 5.30 until 7 on Monday, the fucking 10th or whatever it is, 11th, I think it is. I get a call a couple of days later and they're saying, hey, we're just wondering if you're still interested in coming to the seminar. I was like, yep, that's why I signed up. You know, I get some people are fucking useless and they sign up for shit and then just like, that's the end of that thought for them. That's, you know, the same people who like go like, oh yeah, I'll come to your thing next week. And then you call them like, Fucking six hours before it started. So like, oh, when are you coming? They're like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Um, I'm going to a footy game. Um, I can come after. But so they call me and they say, hey, what's your business? What do you do? Why are you coming? Sort of thing. Rah, rah. And also, let's just like, I, I don't know. I get pissed off about things like this. So I have, um, uh, I have a problem when I tell you something and then you remember just the bit of it that is relevant to you and then use that as your information moving forward, right? Especially when that bit of information is the only thing that you know about me, right? So when they said like, oh, so your business is black ink, what do you do? And I said, and this is a really hard question for me to answer right now. And also I would love to hear from you, from you who is listening to this or watching me right now, tell me what you think black ink is. Because the hardest thing in my business is trying to figure out what the fuck black ink is. 
You know, you say it's a lifestyle brand. That's an easy fucking answer to go with. But I feel like it's transforming and morphing into something different every day. And my only job is to fucking hold the reins and just go for the ride. You know what I mean? So tell me what you think, whether it's in the comments, send me a DM. Let me know what you think Black Ink is right now. While it still plays in the background, you don't even have to pause. Jump on my fucking socials. Text me if you have my number. Send me a fucking email if you've got my email address. I don't care. Just tell me what you think it is. So this lady says, what is Black Ink? I said, look, it's a lifestyle brand. I've just recently purchased a screen printer and a heat press. I'm starting to do all my own production. I also do a lot of digital marketing. I also do a lot of like multimedia for other businesses. I build websites. I basically have a certain skill set and I do everything that I can with that skill set. And I also look to expand that skill set within the industry. Right, And she goes, that's great. What are you hoping to get out of the night? I said, look, I'm just trying to network a little bit, meet some other like-minded people. And she goes, well, that's perfect for this. Now, this number came from somewhere over east, right? So, so now we're starting to build a little bit of an idea. And of course, I end up Googling, you know, entrepreneurial fucking business school or whatever it is. And you see like you've got, um, how do I explain this? And like, I don't even have to be polite because these people aren't going to watch my podcast, right? And it's not that I don't be rude just because someone might see it. It's more to the point where like, I actually kind of don't respect these people because of... No, it's not that I don't respect them. I think I just see through what they were trying to do, right? And I'll explain why in a second. Dude, I just hit 45 minutes. We're going long today, baby, all right? So this EBS, when I Googled them, I saw like a very... Um, uninformal, informative page. They like straight off the bat. I mean, this is how you get, this is how you win people's trust. You build the trustability with any sort of credentials that you have, right? You back it up with the information about things that they've achieved. And then on top of that, you put a testimonial of their customers saying how much they've changed their lives and how much they've helped with this and what sort of results that they've seen. And you put a picture in that testimonial so you have some sort of relatability. I see another young straight white male said that these these people helped them and I'm a young straight white male, so therefore they're going to be able to help me too, right? And then at the bottom of it all, they have like a contact us to get more information sort of thing. Don't have anything about pricing, they don't have anything about plans. They don't really explain what service they actually offer. They just boast about all the things that I've achieved. And also, this is one of those things, when someone talks about their credentials, like unless you've heard of those credentials, understand this. They 100% could have just made them up. And I'm not saying that these people did, but if you went onto the Black Ink website and said, we're the world leaders, uh, you know, according to the NBRACRSB, we are the world leaders in t-shirt production. And when you search that acronym, it's actually just another business that I've made that accredited me an award saying that we're the number one t-shirt producers in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that that's what this, this, these people did, but that's 100% an option. You know what I mean? Like, I can just self-declare that I am something backed by this certificate and I can also be the person that issues that certificate, you know? So, all good. So, you know, they're saying that they've got, they've taken out the most prestigious award nine times for being the world leaders in fucking business coaching, rah, 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 which who's handing out that award? I'm not saying that they're handing out that award. I'm saying like, okay, you got that award. Who the fuck is keeping an eye on business coaching? You know what I mean? Hey, there might be a whole establishment and association around it. I might be wrong. I hope I am. I hope the, the thing that they've won nine times is worth bragging about because they definitely are. Okay. So anyway, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. It is what it is. And then they send you a message a day before saying, hey, don't forget, show up at 5.15. It starts at 5.30. Registration is at quarter past five. Don't forget to bring a jacket because it can get chilly. And don't forget to bring a notepad and a pen because you're going to want to take notes. Okay. 
So I have my fucking hellish day yesterday where I'm out in the wind and the rain, you know, like I don't have a podcast to post in the morning. I'm out in the wind and the rain on the coffee van. I, I had to come home early because everything got fucking torn down. I'm running around like a blue ass fly. I recorded, get this, I recorded a fucking, dude, I didn't even fucking realize this is the third time I've tried to record this podcast because I recorded a podcast when I first got home while I was still hot under the collar. I got 15 minutes in. I had someone arrive at the door. The dog goes fucking crazy. I completely forget where I'm in because, you know, I can still create an organic podcast where someone interrupts me. I can make it part of the podcast because I'm a fucking genius. You understand? It's a joke stroke. My ego stay with me. I end up just saying, fuck it. I'm going to bin the podcast. It was 15 or fucking whatever minutes of content that is just absolutely gone now. I also had an appointment that I had to get to. And recording that podcast, I had exactly enough time to record a 45-minute podcast, pack my shit, leave and get to the appointment, right? What ends up happening, I start the podcast, it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I finish, I like just say, fuck it, delete the file, I get onto my laptop, I start doing my thing, I end up, end, end up running late for my fucking appointment, I'm like, duh, you know, I come home, I'm like, it's all good, we'll record the podcast. I record the podcast, I'm in a semi-shitty mood, I end up going fucking way off the deep end, saying some shit that I don't even mean in the name of entertainment, and then I fucking, then I'm like, right, I'm going to go have a lay down. So I go and lay down. Riz comes home and she's like, hey, have you got the HelloFresh? Because of course she asked me the day before to pick up the HelloFresh, which we get delivered somewhere else for fucking whatever reason. You know, my fault. It is my fault. So I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. Let me go and get it after the seminar, right? Let me go and get it after the seminar. Because I've got the seminar. At this point, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. The seminar starts at quarter past five. I'm like, let me get it after the seminar because I'll be, you know, I'll be out in the car and I'll be, you know, doing things. And I thought, fuck. I'm not really going to want to do that at seven o'clock at night when I know I've got food waiting at home. Just let me go and get it now. So I jump in the car. I go get it. I get to the place. It's not fucking there. You know what I mean? By this time, it's quarter to five at night. So if it's not there, it's not going to be delivered today, which means it's not going to come until tomorrow, which probably means that we don't have dinner for tonight. Whatever. It's all good. I don't care. I'm in a fucking beautiful mood, obviously, because I've had such a brilliant Monday. I end up going home. I'm like, look, it wasn't there. I checked everywhere. I fucking called up. No, not there. So anyway, I run around like a blue ass fly. I go to this seminar and just so I don't forget what happened with the HelloFresh box, by the time I got home, it had been delivered to where I was. It got delivered at 6.30 at night, 6.30. It said it was going to be delivered at 10.30 in the morning, which it always is. It got delivered at 6.30 at night and they put it at the back door, which without going into too much information is like literally such a fucking massive effort compared to just sitting it near the front door, which is where like... It's not like it's a difficult house to negotiate. You're like, it's very simple. There's a letterbox, which has a number on it. There's a driveway, which leads to the front of the house, which has a door in the middle of it. And like every fucking other house, the door at the front is the front door where you would deliver the thing. And it's in a fucking very civilized area, which doesn't mean you have to hide the box. And also it's 6.39, which probably suggests that somebody's fucking home as well. All good. All good. Look at me. Now I'm going off at HelloFresh. Okay? Anyway. So... I end up going to this seminar. I arrive at quarter past five because that's when registration is. I'm wearing a jacket because it said to, and I've got my book and my pen in my hand because I'm a good little boy, right? I get in there and they've got files on the fucking seat with 20 blank pages and texts in it. So already I'm mad because you made me bring something that I didn't need to bring. Why would you put that in your process? Why is it in the reminder and now why am I sitting here like a dickhead with my book and your book, right? But all good because things like that shouldn't worry you. Anyway, 
Before I say any of this, I want to footnote this with some things, okay? Now, I'm going to mention some things that you probably haven't heard of before. One of them is the Team McKenna Youth Camp. The other one is a landmark forum. And the other one is called Primary and Secondary Education, okay? Team McKenna Youth Camp is something that happens once a year. It goes for about 10 days. Um, it's for the children of people who are involved in Amway or they have some fucking other name. They call it uh, Amway. Ah, I forget what it's called. Just that pyramid marketing shit. Anyway, my parents were into it for a brief period of time. And consequently, I was sent to these Team McKenna youth camps um, when I was quite a bit younger. And for fucking everything besides the obvious, um, what do you call it? The obvious grooming into trying to get these children into Amway salesmen themselves, the team building, the coaching that you kind of receive from these people and just being a good person and being a good human and someone who has goals and someone who has ambition and drive and being able to translate that into something that's real and physical and embody that into your life and like by the way grooming was a wrong word to use before what i'm saying is i'm trying to coach us as kids into young adults that would be good salesmen for their business because obviously this is held by the one of the bigger families in Amway in Australia, and their goal from this is to try and get the next generation ready to make them more money. You know, like you can dress it up however you want, but that's what's going on, okay? So I have this like, I think three or four experience, three or four years of experience when I was under 18, where I was going to this thing for 10 days, and it was like over in the Eastern States, so it's a big deal. And from memory, it was the week before national championships every year, which meant that I was taking this time off skating, before national championships, which I would then get, you know, potentially picked to go to Oceanas or World Championships, which I did in 2009. Like I literally went to a camp before I went to nationals, which is like fucking bizarre in the sporting world. You never take off 10 days right before the big competition. Anyway, so I have that. And I also have the experience of the Landmark Forum. Now, if you don't know the experience of the Landmark Forum, Google it. The first thing that you're going to come across is, is Landmark Forum a cult? Okay, because it's three or four days of back to back intensive classroom setting. What was that, Louis? Classroom setting style, um, you know, someone up the front saying something with a room of like 30 or 40 people. It goes from fucking seven o'clock in the morning until like eight o'clock at night. You are only allowed to leave for half an hour during lunch. And during those days, you're not meant to drink, do drugs, do anything at nighttime. You're meant to go from there do the thing all day from there to home, come back the next day, do it all day, go home, come there, do it all the next day. So you have literally three or four days of just completely unexposed information drilling into your head, right? And basically without, you know, stepping on any tails here, they set you up so that you're left confused and they have the answers and the answers come at a cost, right? And it's something where like, honestly, you can get so much out of the landmark forum. And from the the one, you know, from the thing that I did for those three or four days and with the person that I did it with, I really did get so much from it. Like there are so many, I mean, sorry, the person I did it with isn't really essential. It's more just like I had someone as a point of reference that I knew that I could look across and be like, this is fucking, are you in on this? Are you crazy? Are we crazy? Is this, is this crazy sort of thing? So I feel like I got a lot out of it. Um, I'm sure there is still, I don't really remember what the message was, to be honest, because it was so many years, it probably 10 years ago now. Um, no, it was about seven years ago. Um, the thing that I really didn't appreciate about it and where it relates to the Team McKenna Youth Camp and where it relates to primary and secondary school is it's in a classroom, right? And 
you know, I kind of said, it might've been on the podcast yesterday that I ended up not releasing, but it kind of like someone who says they've got ADD or OCD, right? It was on yesterday's podcast, so you haven't heard this yet. But like someone who says, you know, like, oh, I've got ADD or OCD, it's very easy to say like, yeah, I don't really suit the educational environment that is provided by the schooling system these days. It's like almost fashionable to say these things, okay? So I don't want to be someone that says like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm someone who learns with their hands and not in a classroom and all the rest. Dude, I don't learn in a classroom. I don't. Like the one thing that I immediately picked up on yesterday was like, you're going to sit me in a chair like a child, give me a fucking a, a book, like a, a file with some blank pages and texters and expect me to take notes on what you're saying and then come away from that with some sort of like, even without your sale at the end of it, you want me to take that information and use it. The shit that I've learned the very fucking best, right? This is how I learn. Go and do heaps and heaps and heaps of shit. Have heaps of fucking experiences, things going on, transactions, have a heap of things happen and then sit down with a mentor, right? And review what's happened. And then go and do heaps more shit. Have heaps of things happen. Fail, fuck up, make the mistake, have some success, make some money, be happy, be sad. Sit down with your mentor, right? And sometimes, right? I'm going to get woo woo here again. Sometimes your mentor is sitting down with you in a dark room thinking about what the fuck just happened. And sometimes a mentor is someone completely fresh out of the picture. They don't know your business. They don't know what's going on. Maybe they're a businessman themselves, or maybe they have some interest in the game themselves, right? And they give you their opinion on what's going on and how you can best mitigate or manage your situation, or maybe how to move forward, or maybe how to recover or recoup something that's happened. And then go and make a whole heap of fuck ups, go get a whole heap of experience, go have a whole heap of wins, go take some risks, and then sit down with your mentor again. This bullshit of like, even the, the idea of going to business school for a week for me seems like I'm going to go there and the only thing I'm going to think about is things that I'm going to do once I'm outside of that classroom. I am just not fucking built to be in a classroom. And I mean, furthermore, I think I have the pages of bullshit. I'll tell you what, before I sign out, I'm going to show you the notes that I took last night. And just as a fucking, just so you know, I also had my pen and paper there that I told you about, my notebook and my pen. Every time I thought of something that was 100% relevant to Black Ink, I made a note in my pen, in my fucking notebook. You know, it's like, because the bigger thing that I'm, the, the, the bigger point that I'm trying to make here is that the thing that I noticed straight away and like, the, thing, the reason I noticed it is because I had this experience with the Team McKenna Youth Camp and I had this experience with the Landmark Forum is when I was looking at it, when I, instead of listening to it and taking it in, I was observing it from like a side perspective. I was observing it from above almost and I was seeing what they were doing because this 90-minute seminar had nothing to do with our businesses. It was essentially a marketing strategy for these people to eventually sign you up at the end of the at the end of the seminar, right? So what they did, they started with who they are, they started with all their credentials and who's in charge and what they do, and then they went to the fucking people that they've had and using case studies as fucking examples as to how they've helped all these different businesses and these people in different situations and how any of these situations could be applicable to you. And then while they were doing this, they had like this equation that they were giving you a little bit more information every time they made an example and that equation seemed better and better and better and better every time they went back to it and gave you a little bit more numbers and shit to work out. And then at the end of it, they have their pitch. And as I said, it doesn't matter how well disguised it is, there is always a pitch. 
So at the back of these 20 blank pages, there was like an application form that you put your name, your number, and your email address. And if you've got a business card, attach a business card. There are 30 people in the room. There are 30 people in the room. And the speaker goes on to say, hey, I'm going to be back in town next Monday. I have five positions available for people that will sit down and have a chat and see if our coaching is any good for you. At no point was there ever mentioned how much this would cost or what the situation was or what the plan was, or what the pricing was, none of that. It was just, hey, I have five positions out of 30 and like, dude, I could tell by the vibe in the room that there was probably 25 people that are gonna give their information. And then you create a limited space as if people have to fucking get in and do the research and be on time, make sure they've done their homework, make sure their fucking top button's done up, be on time, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, man, there were literally people, as soon as he mentioned that he only had five spaces, there was one girl and like, oh man, I'm not going to pick on her. She just is who she is. I don't even know her. It's just like, you could tell she had the fucking undercut and some bullshit tattooed on the back of her neck and no other tattoos. And like, I'm in business for myself. I own a small business. You know, like she's run up and like put a thing, you know, oh, and if you sign up with the application, you also get a free book. But if you don't sign up, you can also buy the book for $20 and rah, rah, rah. I was just kind of like, oh, disappointed. Okay. I'm disappointed because Unfortunately, the only thing that I learned was a fucking relearning of the fact that nothing is free. And also, like, I'd be upset with myself if I didn't mention this. It was annoying in that he fucking, <laughs> he uh, would do this thing where um, it was exactly what you imagine. He had one of the, you know, the fucking whiteboards with the paper in it. And every time he wants to make a point, he flips over the paper and it's got another, like, Never information on there. It's just like the first thing when he turned it over, it said 100% com no, commitment, 100%. And he's like, this is only going to be worth something to you guys if you commit 100%. So if you're here with me, if you're listening, if you're doing everything. And at that point, I'm like, hey, man, I'm fucking 28. Don't tell me to commit. I am here on a Monday night at 5.30 after fucking registering with you and confirming that I wanted to be here. Don't tell me that I have to commit. <coughs> Then he goes on to explain, you've got three different colored textures in your fucking book. And the only way to really like take things in is like get creative with it. You want to do creative learning because then your brain holds, bro, I own a business. You don't have to tell me how to learn things, you know? I mean, I guess I'll make that point in a sec. Then he goes on to do this thing where he goes like, um, I'm trying to think of an example where he would do it. Um, so what we need is your... And then the whole group would say, participation. So don't forget, guys, when we do this, we always are looking for more. And then everyone would look at the screen to see what the word is. Revenue, we'd say together. So it's like he's taking, like, I would say business is like an adult subject of people who have gone above and beyond wanting to be employed by someone. And you would assume that they're going into this realm of like, now I'm going to create something for myself and looking at all the different things I have to know and, and educating themselves. And man, it might just be because I'm a business minded person and because I've been buying and selling since I figured out what money is and because I've had a business before and now I have another business. And, you know, like I, I, I've been, my dad had a business and I've, been, I've normally surrounded myself with business owners. So I understand a lot of it. I mean, maybe people don't have this prerequisite knowledge that I assume they do. And so you have to treat them like fucking children and get them to answer the end of your questions. Dude, just give me the fucking information that you're trying trying to give me i came into this knowing this is, 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 a, is it's a ploy you know what i mean like it's just a scheme you know and at the end of the day like 
His coaching school is a business as well. The things that he is teaching us to do in this fucking seminar, he is literally doing in real time in front of us and not breaking the fourth wall. You know what I mean? Like I could, you know, he would say like the thing that you need to do at the start is generate more leads. Now, if I was a coaching business, do you know how I would generate more leads? I'd run a, I'd start a funnel. I'd run a Facebook advertising campaign. I'd try and get people to watch my video. Once I've watched a certain amount of my video, I would then approach them with another video or another piece of, another piece of content, another creative. I would then have a call to action on that creative that says, if you want to be a part of this, sign up now. It's for free. Once I've signed up, I would confirm that with them in a week, which then, you know, because obviously it's two weeks away, which means you're talking to them in the middle of the thing you confirm with them you get a little bit more information with them so it means like you kind of know each other you've had a real conversation with a real person following that i would remind them i'd get them there on the day now we're about middle of the funnel so maybe you've had 1 million people see your ad. Now we've refined it down to 30 people in your area and we've got them in a room. Then we'll give them a pitch for an hour and a half and out of those 30 people, you might get 20 of them that will give you details. And out of those 20, we need to create some sort of urgency in it. We're gonna say we've only got five positions even though we're gonna see all 20 of them. And then because you've said that you've only got five positions, all of those 20 people think that they're one of the five people. So now they have some sort of like need to be part of your system no matter what the cost because you've said that there is an answer out there and that you've got the answer to their business business questions and therefore they're going to respond to it. So now the funnel gets smaller again. So even if you got 20 of those people and you only got 10 of them that are serious because all of those 10 think that they're one of the five, they're definitely going to follow through with it. Dude, that's your business. Woo! Anyway, I got pretty fucking amped up. I do want to end on this note though because I did it in yesterday's podcast and it was a fucking dream. So... I, uh, I write down some, I don't want to fucking, this piece of paper might have some shit in it that I shouldn't be showing on camera. So I don't want to say too much about it. But what I do is I get super creative at, you know, most of the time it's at like eight, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night when obviously I can't record a podcast and I'm in no position to as far as my energy levels. But what I do is I write down these ideas that I have because I'm finding at the moment that obviously like this being the 48th episode, I am besides talking about the things that are happening to me in my life, which I try not to be too much of a personal diary sort of podcast. I like to touch on some bigger thoughts that I'm having. You know what I mean? I like to translate or how would I say? I like to communicate things that I'm figuring out as I grow up and as I, you know, as I fucking hone in this skill or this um, asset, I guess, of being a man. I also like, I like to figure things out as I talk about it on camera. And like a lot of times I feel like when Riz and I have these massive conversations that go for hours and hours about these particular topics is a lot of the time you find that you are learning as you're going. You're soundboarding an idea with yourself in real time and then having some sort of haptic feedback with another person. Obviously I don't get that other person, but I definitely do find out more about myself the more I do these podcasts. So I try and think of these topic heads or situ not situations, I guess like topics and subjects that aren't necessarily spoken about, but are definitely thought about from people, whether they realize they're thinking about it, or whether they it's a subconscious thing. So I write down these crazy things and this crazy thing I wrote down, I don't know. Yeah, okay, I remember it now. So this thing that I write down, not necessarily that crazy, but it's something that I'm finding that I've fought against for so long and now I'm starting to realize that this is actually closer to the truth than what I believe. And it might just be that I'm patting my own ego, I don't know. So let me read it out and then let me sign out because this is probably gonna be a topic that I speak about in the next couple podcasts. And I think this could take up a full 45 minutes fucking easy, right? So it says, I am stoked that the day is 24 hours long. It is a good period of time I can achieve all the little wins you need to fit into a day. 
stretching, hydrating, exercising, eating, gaining fatigue, and enjoying going to sleep. So, I'm not going to explain anymore because I, 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 I go on until this is a fucking hour and 45 minutes long. You know what I mean? So, interesting topic. Let's touch on that. Let's, let me make sure I fucking... Pulled over by the cops. The ride I went on, the Grom that I bought. Look, that's fucking it, okay? That's it. That's it for today. I hope I hope you've had a brilliant time listening to this extended version of the podcast. We've gone, instead of 45 minutes, we've gone for an hour and eight minutes. I hope it's been brilliant. I hope you had fun. I hope you had a laugh. Do me a favor, jump on my social media, blow everything up for me. Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook. Go onto my fucking website, buy some shit, have some fun. I'll see you on the next podcast because I'm fucking out. Yeah!